Hello and welcome, this is the PSG review, also known as the 89th minute panic double change after conceding the inevitable match losing goal, also known as the show as match fit, as Sergio Ramos and popular as Levin Kursava in the PSG headquarters. My name is Miko, how are you? I hope you're well, I'm fine and today we have a lot on the agenda, it's, it's really uh, quite, a, quite a busy show today. Uh, PSG on the road to Nice, our women's team beat Montpellier in Coupe de France and qualified to the semi-finals. The under-19s qualified to the quarterfinals of the UEFA Youth League against Sevilla and finally we need to talk about Sergio Ramos. What to do with him? What on earth must we do with this legend that cannot get fit? What we don't discuss today is Kylian Mbappé's contract situation. There are strong rumors that there is some serious money on the table for him for a few-year contract. Uh, or is there a, perhaps a verbal agreement in place with Super League Perez? Uh, what is true and who stands to gain from each leaked rumor? There is no use for me to dwell on that speculation. Patience with that and fingers crossed. Either way, it's a good show. Thank you so much for being with us. We start off with PSG's road trip to Nice without the just mentioned suspended Kylian Mbappe. So Mbappe had uh, two main yellow cards and he was unable to play. Angeli Maria started up uh, in the front tree with Messi and Neymar. He was taking Mbappe's spot. Well, not quite literally, but they kind of reorganized him in some some way <laughs> way with those three. No, no huge surprises in the midfield with Verratti, Danilo and Wijnaldum. I'm not sure I would give Wijnaldum anywhere near this much uh, time as Poch does, but uh, at this point, it's not surprising. That's what I mean. It's, it has no surprises because it's not surprises. He is the hell Pochettino doesn't seem to mind dying on in a manner of speaking. Navas in the goal and perhaps a little bit of a surprise was that Diallo was a centre-back there together with Marquinhos. I had actually just tweeted maybe a day before this match that uh, Diallo really had a remarkable African Cup of Nations with Senegal. He played on the back line with Koulibaly, a world-class defender and certainly somebody who is a mentor who you can learn from. So he was playing there together on the back the whole tournament, practically speaking. Uh, you know, in a team that ended up uh, winning this tournament in the end. Diallo scored, I think, in the semi-final and he also scored in the deciding penalty shootout in the final. But, you know, since that final... He had not played one minute of football in Paris. Well, that was until Saturday night and Diallo was playing very well. He was a very, uh, again, I don't think that he was a positive surprise. He was a positive player. I wasn't surprised, but he really played well. We also had uh, Benat and Kerrer as left and right backs. So not quite the first choices, but, you know, solid players nevertheless. Nice has the best defense in Ligue 1 this year. The success, you know, I think they are second at the moment on the table, but that kind of position, it kind of, it's a little bit alive. There's there's some fluctuation there with, with other other. Other, other teams there but their, their their success as it has been this year it has been defensive one you know they do have some firepower there in the attack as well you know namely Amin Geri with some rumored PSG interest not sure if that's true Kasper Dolberg the, 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 the Danish uh, striker there and Justin Kluivert as well who's 
that, of course, is not just the, the Champions League uh, final deciding scorer of, I want to say, 1995 with Ajax, but also our former sporting director or head of football. I can't remember exactly what his precise title was, but he really did pretty terrible job. I think the only highlight uh, for him was signing uh, yeah, Julian Traxler. But nevertheless, you know, I'm, I've digressed now a lot, so... so you know, Nice has a has a reasonable uh, players also to score goals, but it has really been a very solid defensive team. Also, some players in the midfield who do have some uh, who have an eye for goal as well. I should say, you know, but despite that, they really haven't scored that much this year at all. They don't um, or this season they they don't really score that high on the on the top top scoring clubs in the league on, but but they have just also not let the goals in and that has been their uh, that has been their magic so far but early minutes they were intense from one end to another a few niche chances and situations where they were controlling the momentum but then there was one specific moment where there was a pressure on the PSG PSG's goal in in front of Navas you know PSG got uh, temporarily got the ball control for a bit and there was really no not much space to maneuver but that's actually not really a problem for our team I think this is where we are really good at that the team is very good at controlling the ball and maneuvering when there seemingly is no room to do that and they were heading the ball all the way to Neymar who then gave a brilliant pass to Di Maria who was in full speed pretty much alone with knees keeper Benitez but he missed the target while trying to do his trademark chip that was unfortunate um that was certainly a situation where we could have and should have scored a goal nava saved what there was to be saved but uh it could have gone either way the first half although not not by much i mean it was pretty tight 0-0 that is the result of the two previous matches in full time between these two teams that is the league on match in paris in autumn and coupe de france which nice won on penalties then um, after the full time and and now they've gone all the way by the way to the coupe de france final where they will meet another team that was able to beat psg this season uh, very recently actually and there aren't many of them but nantes likewise has made their way to the cup final okay now I have digressed too much um, let me get back into this first half psg had four shots and only one on target that sounds about right only one on target very familiar story the story of the season so far this is player of note i think was uh, kefrem turam uh, son of lilian and brother of marcus he really was everywhere could not leave him unattended very exciting play i really enjoyed watching him the only way that i would have been enjoying more the experience of watching him of course if he didn't play against PSG perhaps if he even played for PSG but you know let's not get ahead of ourselves but very exciting player for sure (sighs) look there was some moments of inspiration some visionary passes and situations that could have turned the match in an instant but uh, also we missed the target while unbothered by the opponent the last little bit is the bit that counts and without Mbappe we struggle it is what it is. That's just the way that it goes. Currently, after Mbappe, we have a very long space between the second best scorer, if counting Ligue 1 and Champions League, in this uh, in this season. The next one is Messi with seven goals compared to Mbappe's 19. Then it's Danilo with five, and you have players with four goals, which is, is you know, while we are on the eighth month of football this season, simply it's not good enough. You know, these are players like Neymar and Icardi and, 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 and some others. I also think Gay is there and 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 so on. But um, 
I think that it's clear that we do need to have more scorers of goals. We need to get our 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 our, our other forwards scoring the goals. Otherwise, we're really going to be too dependent on one player. And uh, and also, you know, he's as good as he is. Mbappe is not going to be able to necessarily score quite enough for us to go all the way. Uh, certainly in on, in in the Champions League, but. But who knows? Uh, yes, no. Okay, in those st- statistics, I have to say just a quick note that Coupe de France was not included. I'm, I'm not sure why, but that really changed the point. I don't think that it changes the numbers in in a way that would kind of like disprove what I was trying to make the point there. And and we also struggled because we lacked that vision of how to play and place our players. Pochettino does. He lacks that. We try and try the same thing, hoping that one of these stars will have a moment of magic. You know, I'm not trying to be rude and I'm not one of those people who think, you know, rather arrogantly that they know more about football and understand the team better than a professional coach who spends all the day with them players and has access to their health and fitness specifics. You know, I'm not saying that. But at the same time, isn't isn't this true? This has been Pochettino's strategy for the whole one year and a bit that he has been uh, coaching Paris. Am I wrong? We played almost 80 minutes before first substitution. Almost 80 minutes and then Icardi comes in. But all in all, it's just uh, throw the ball in there. We have some world-class players forward and we hope that something will go in. And the tragedy is that it hasn't this season. It just hasn't gone in. The balls have, have not gone in, no matter how nice things, uh, no matter how uh, good work we are able to do leading up to the situation. But the finishing has not been very good unless, you know, your name is Kylian Mbappe. With Neymar, he's doing much. Of course, he's still uh, on, on, I guess he's fully, he's very much fully recovered and and, and, and all, all already quite match fit, I would say. And he is part of the most interesting situation, you know, and he's also contributing uh, in, in, in pressing in the midfield, also defending when needs be. And he has flashes of his best self. And just because he yet hasn't converted really, I mean, enough, what I mean enough. I mean, he gets a score every now and again, but that doesn't mean that we write him off. Not not at all, of course. It is very frustrating for him uh, and, of course, for us to watch as well. Um, but uh, with him, there's, there's there's also need for something new. I, I, I think... I, I think We can't afford to have Neymar, Messi, Cardi, Di Maria who just don't score goals or scores so occasionally that it's almost noteworthy that they have scored a goals. We need to get some of those players at least more regularly on the on the on the scoring chart. Um just in the final moments of the match, then of course, of course, Nice scores a beautiful goal. Uh, Andy Delort does, you know, of course he does. Then we do a double change in the 89th minute, like that's going to solve a problem or something, achieve anything. You know, there's a very nearly penalty in the end, but Icardi, who was defending, you know, as you do, did quite a tackle just outside of the box, but it was outside of the box. So it was a free kick instead. And that situation, the VAR and all of the fuss that happened, it kind of fizzled all the playing time out. So this is how it ended. PSG with two shots on target after 90 odd minutes, despite having all sorts of stars on the pitch. Like I said, Nice does have the best Ligue 1 defense and Galtier, of course. I mean, he's one of the best coaches in in, in Ligue 1. That is entirely uncontroversial thing to say. We all we all know the work that he did with uh, with Lille, and now he's doing with Nice. 
he's really a great he's really a great coach and and I have a lot of time and and, and respect for him but nevertheless this is not quite the excuse that will fly when we say that there was two shots on target simply not good enough PSG loses the second league on match of 2022 and third match if you count Coupe de France as well and why, why would you not count it I mean obviously we do count it on the league on table this is not really very important loss of of, of points PSG is also always entirely different team in Champions League which is up next but you know what a letdown this match was I will have to say that I I, I was hoping that we are turning a new leaf but that that wasn't meant to be at least there were no injuries that's really better than nothing so that's something to take home a little bit of an injury scare for Verratti at one point but then he seemed fine and I hope I haven't heard anything since that there would have been a problem so I trust that um, it's fine but is this then how it looks if we lose Mbappe then you know I refuse to think that there's no way to get our available players to play better. I'm sure that there must be a way. There just simply must be a way. There's a certain lack of ambition and urgency. We can't score a free kick, for instance, despite literally having a handful of world-class free kick takers. Like this is this is this is these are like the, the free kick takers that you would dream to have in your team. And we have them. Messi, Neymar, Di Maria, people like this. But um We just can't get them in. You know, we are so close yet so far. For me, I don't like to advocate anyone losing their job. It's not my place and it, it is not because of this match. But I don't see how things could be less clear with some temporary arrangement in terms of our coach. I feel Pochettino's performance does not only demonstrate the lack of ideas and solutions, but also, like I said earlier, uh, there's a lack of courage. We have players who we can try. For whatever reason, things aren't working out with Wijnaldum. We have young players like Dina Ebimbe, whose every Instagram post is a subtweet about his lack of playing time. We have Simons, Michoud, people like this. They're young, but they cannot do much worse than, than what Wijnaldum is currently doing. He had 28 touches of the ball and he's a midfielder. It's a very melancholic story. No one doubts that he's a good player. Well, I, I don't doubt that. I know some people do, but I don't doubt that. But some things aren't clicking. This is not working out for him and this is not working out for us. Seems like a stand-up guy anyway. I wish him all the best, but we do need to try something out. Pochettino needs to try something out. Anything. 28 touches as a midfielder for a team that dominates the possession. And he played, I think, 80 minutes. That's not normal. And and how Pochettino insists on repeating this mistake every match, more or less. It's not normal. I mean, at this rate, we could ask Sergio Ramos to coach us until the summer, since we already pay him loads and he doesn't seem otherwise engaged. More of him a little later, but perhaps more realistically, we could have Zumana Papus Kamara, who has served as an assistant coach to Emery as well as Tuchel, and now he's doing very well with the under-19s. We will also talk about them a little bit later, but this was fairly nothing dress rehearsal for the trip to Santiago Bernabeu. Like I said before, it will be an entirely different matter. I don't confuse Ligue 1 and Champions League somehow. I don't even necessarily know why, if it's a motivation question or what question is, but they seem to be entirely different, like uh, parallel universes almost. But that is up next. That is on Wednesday night. Win or draw means qualifying to the quarterfinals, and I don't even want to talk about the alternatives. But enough of that. Let's talk about PSG's women's team. 
Yes, it was Coupe de France quarterfinal time for PSG Feminines and they traveled to Montpellier on Saturday afternoon. In women's football, Montpellier is a solid team. You know, they are one of the top teams, not quite there at the same level with Lyon and PSG, but they are up there in the in the kind of next level. Like uh, Cup, there's a handful of teams there on the next level and Montpellier is, is part of that. Um, you know, we had largely what we could call the best 11 on the pitch for our Parisians. Swedish centre-back Amanda Ilsted was resting and Elisa de Almeida was in her place. Kira Hamruay on the bottom of our midfield. Not sure if she's now seen as the preferred player for that six spot. Uh, just side note, some of our players during the international duty, Diani and Katoto uh, for the French uh, women's team, showed some strong signs of solidarity with Aminata Diallo while celebrating a goal there in a, in a, in a international match. But I'm not really getting into this situation too much, simply because I don't really have enough information about it. I don't have the facts, so it seems a bit disingenuous to to speculate too much about something that that is is a, is a serious situation but but nevertheless decent start for PSG again a good Montpellier side a, a reasonable penalty shout already before 10 minutes played Diani was brought down from behind in the box but the referee was unmoved Montpellier also had some chances but but it was really their keeper that was holding their their team together the back line as he was catching the the, the balls as as well as she, she could The first goal came around 35 minutes for Paris. Sakina Kachuai tripled the ball close to the edge of the box, passed it to Hamrai, who managed a magnificent shot outside the area that went in. Second goal came uh, the second half of the 50 minutes. Sarah de Bridge had just had a pretty good shot that missed the target. That was from a good preliminary work by Diani, but that was not meant to be. Moments after, however, Katoto tripled the ball into the box Her shooting angle was getting smaller and smaller, so she gave the ball behind to our captain Kraskioro, who controls it and scores. You know, Montpellier still constantly playing well, near misses and otherwise. Votikova was also playing a good, good match. She was saving all, all, all the balls that, that were coming at that point. And after 60 minutes was played, Debrec gave a neat assist to Katoto, who headed the ball in, and PSG was leading now 3-0. I have already said that Montpellier had their chances. You know, it's not a bad team at all. Sometimes the the, the differences in quality in women's football are, are, are quite big. They can seem sometimes a little bit bigger, especially more than in, in the, maybe in the men's game. But uh, Montpellier is not one of those teams. Uh, we should not c- confuse them with, with those teams. Uh, they have a good team. And it must be said that on the day, PSG did... You know, there were too many individual mistakes and errors in various situations. It was a little frustrating viewing at the time. Perhaps they were already counting on on the on the difference, goal difference that they were they were going to go through either way. But finally, after 70 minutes or so, Montpellier scored, and that was the last goal then of the match. Although they did have good pressure, uh, and their substitution also seemed very effective. They have to give some props to their their coach because because the substitutions were on point. But no more goals, no clean sheet for PSG, but this was a cup match. An important thing is to get to the next round, to the semifinals. And up next for women's division on next weekend, PSG is playing Montpellier again, this time in Paris. So this was Coupe de France, and now next one is is the, 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 the league division on. But we move on. On Tuesday evening, PSG's youth team, The under-19s were playing UEFA Youth League 
round of 16 match against Sevilla. Pretty solid lineup with players we know from the first team like Michoud, Simons, Garbi and others like Bodiang and our 15-year-old super talent side Emery and the likes, but not uh, El Chadail Bichiapu, our towering young centre-back, I think, born 2005. He was one of, who was one who was on the side. He was, he was in the stands not playing or dressed for the match at all. I think there was some injury issues. To be honest with you, I well, I think it was injury. I'm not quite sure, but otherwise, you know, we had pretty much as good 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 as we can have there, and good start to the match. Sevilla was was a little lost, and and they took few yellows, playing quite physical, uh, almost like a one or two steps behind initially, and had to take the cards and. And um, what I didn't expect to happen after the last initial beginning is that they turned the match and they became quite dominating. Sevilla was quite dominating. Uh, in the name of fairness and brutal honesty, the referee made a huge mistake in a situation where Sevilla should have gotten a penalty, but instead they actually got a yellow card for diving, which I don't think was the was in question. I think it was quite clear uh, penalty that they they, they should have gotten. Um, So that didn't go right, and the match continued 0-0 until the last minutes of the half, where a Sevilla player brought down PSG forward Kasama in the box, took a yellow card, which was his second, and Xavi banged the penalty in. This player in question, Jimenez, had been playing pretty rough. I think he was one of those early yellow cards as well. So I think he was on a knife knife's edge a little bit as it was. I think this was just one foul too many. And it was the second yellow card. And PSG went to locker room with one goal and one player advantage. A legitimate grievance for Sevilla from that earlier incident, but not from this final one, not not from this final one of the of, of the first half. PSG did little, uh, very little with it, this advantage, though <laughs> the second half was far from phenomenal on the whole. Sevilla had better chances, I think, despite their apparent frustration. It was a physical match, like I had already said, and I, I'm not sure if it was that first half refereeing error that kept them so angry, but often, really, when you start fighting, you tend to lose, and, and that was what happened to Sevilla. Another penalty to PSG around 86 minutes. Seko Jansane converted that and then it was cruising to the end. Well, there were a lot of skirmishes <laughs> and three minutes uh, uh, three minutes of extra time. Wilson Odobert from PSG got a direct red card. It was a bit sketchy situation. I'm not sure. I mean, he did have his touch somewhat on display. It was a little bit dangerous, but he didn't just hit the ball. He was on the ball so much earlier than the Sevilla player who then crashed on his feet. He came as if if it were uh, with a delay and uh, as the ball was already cleared. So in that sense, I'm not really sure, but he was given a red card nevertheless. I think with VAR, this match would have been much different. And it's good time to once again acknowledge that VAR has improved football a lot. When you see this situation, you are like, you know, it's really great to have something uh, that you can check things from. It's not always perfect, but uh, but you can ensure that, you know, not terrible mistakes happen in refereeing that end up be uh, match-defining, and, and in a knockout match, it can be also a season-defining. In the end, also a fight broke out. You really realize how young these players are. Sevilla players were boiling and much provocation also from Parisian players and their peers understand it wasn't really a great look. In the end, 11 yellows and two reds. It was a very heated endeavor. PSG, uh, led by Zuman and Papus Kamara, goes to the next round as there's no return leg. 
it was very deserved, all things considered. But in the end of the match, this whole wrestling left a lot to be desired in general, uh, something to improve. I'm not saying this kind of, I don't have this kind of boys will be boys attitude because that is also incredibly problematic. And I suppose Sumana Kamara agrees, according to Kana supporters. He said, the players must realize that they are at PSG. They wear a jersey, represent an important club and institution. There is behavior that goes with it. There is not only the talent. Some room for improvement. I I agree with Papus there. Admittedly, it was heated match all around, of course, and and I would say that Sevilla were the ones starting the trouble and then stirring it. But there's also that next level of sin that these guys have to learn, perhaps because sometimes um, the refereeing decisions don't go your way either, so it can happen. But let's not be like class half empty either. It was a good match and this is a good group and hopefully they will go all the way this year. These kids are so young, you know, not really far from the age of my oldest son. So I find myself feeling quite paternal towards them in, in many ways. And, and and I want what is best for them. I want them to do well, but also to grow into sensible players we can all be proud of. And I'm sure that is what we have in store. What was nice thing to see was that in the audience there were players from the first team such as Nuno Mendes, Dina Mbimbe, Kimbembe, uh, also Sergio Ramos, who of course is former Sevilla player himself. And up next, we do need to talk about Sergio Ramos. An honest look into his contribution or lack thereof in Paris. This is not to blame him, not at all, but let's level on this one. Well, you know, what to do with him. I was very disappointed, as I'm giving this much as a background, I was very disappointed when Leonardo decided not to offer Tiago Silva an extension in 2020 until it was too late and our captain had already given his word to another club. Last season then was highlighting our defensive struggle in transition, especially despite having great centre-back options like Marquinhos and Kimpembe, but also Diallo, who was again playing very well, Kerr, who was not as solid last season as he has been some other times, and he's been again a little bit better, a little bit up and down, but nevertheless, he's an option there. And also Danilo, of course, is there who can play, especially in the back three, but even, even in the back two. Uh, somehow we've been leaking on counters a lot. Arguably, we lost the title last season with those errors. So I guess we could blame also e- e- some other aspect in equal measure. But we dropped some very important points against Lorient and Nantes and other clubs on counter attacks last season that we ended up losing the title to to Lille, who, in all fairness, deserved it more. Uh, but but I have digressed now a little bit. Basically, what I wanted to say is that I was very, very happy when we signed Sergio Ramos last summer because I hoped that he could bring Silvestre leader and mentorship to our back line. It was needed. Well, we all know what has happened since. He has been injured, played only a handful of matches, not even that actually. And there seems to be a constant back and forth that is he fit? He himself often seems to feel ready to play, at least according to the word on the streets. But then PSG medical staff doesn't share his optimism. And this has created a very odd, a truly bizarre situation. Is he fit and ready to play or not? No one knows. But at the same time, why would the medical staff lie about it? As Ramos has been really good whenever he has been on the pitch. He has always brought in something a little special, something we could use. Intensity and commitment on top of the fact that he's really a great football player, obviously. But those on those occasions that he has been able to play, they have been, you know, uh, frustratingly few. From what I hear, 
it has to be said that he has been a leader in the locker room even without playing. I was jokingly saying that perhaps he could stay, take the take the the uh, manager's role, coaching role from Pochettino and for the end of the season. Uh, you know, who knows? I don't. I'm sure he would not make a worse worse job of it than Pochettino currently is doing. But um, but either way, uh, the word on the streets, the rumor says and suggests that he is a positive influence in the locker room, even if he's not playing. And, you know, it does sound something that could make a lot of sense. It sounds like it could be true. But what can we do? You know, there was some talk about even nullifying his contract with PSG, that perhaps he's beyond recovery and his body is just, you know, unable to take it anymore. The medical staff had been very impressed by his fitness in the summer and he claims he's ready and his videos on social media suggest that he seems to be in amazing shape, you know, although of course that's really dealt the full holistic truth just because you have a six-pack and minuscule body fat percentage doesn't mean that some muscle can't have an issue, a muscle tissue issue, if you will. Ramos doesn't really have a resale value. That is something we we have to be very honest. Not not at all. He signed short two year contract. He's at that age that he's not there to create transfer fees for the clubs. He's there to make uh, signing bonuses for himself or 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 make a high you know sh- short short term contract. So pretty much he can he can when he signs uh, for the next club, you know. Uh, after after this PSG contract, uh, we, uh, we we assume if he doesn't quit, he might go to MLS or Qatar or some other league like that for some new experiences and perhaps other currencies. I don't know, but we won't make a cent out of it anyways in terms of transfer fees or, or anything like that. That seems to me certainly perfectly realistic assumption, you know, and if I'm wrong, then <laughs> hooray, that would be really great. But, uh, you know, obviously he has had a great career and very illustrious one, having won everything possible, more or less. I'm kind of thinking that if he says that he can play, we can and we should let him play. If he feels he's ready, if he's willing to take the risk, and I'm not necessarily even saying this is a realistic plan, but wouldn't it be great if we could add with his consent, you know, um, a, a specification to his contract saying that if he feels ready, we let him play and if things don't work out uh, the contract that can then be nullified this summer you know <laughs> i haven't given up on him I, i really want to see him play but if he can't play then he can't play so if he plays if he's able to i'm sure then that he can give us a lot we have seen glimpses of that anyway so if he says he's willing to take the risk perhaps we should allow him to take that risk on a condition that if things don't then work out then His salary won't be the reason why we can't get other players that we need in the summer. You know, he's a grown-up. He's very seasoned. He's a very mature person. He knows what's best for him. If he wants to take the risk, I, you know, if I'm not sure if we should be babysitting that. Uh, it, it, but of course, uh, there's a situation that the, if the contract is for a couple of years, there's a lot of money on the line. He has a, a big salary then there would need to be an understanding. Like I said, I'm not even sure if that would be um, realistic, but it is uh, at least on a level of an idea that could be a plan. Not necessarily a perfect plan, but a plan nevertheless. Not sure what the other option is. 
you know, perhaps wait and see. There's a chance that this kind of approach could also work. And who knows, he will be ready and, and willing when the time times are the most demanding. Maybe he is going to be there when we have a good, if you have a good run in the Champions League, maybe he is going to come to the last matches and be that, you know, change that can be at least be maybe brought from a, from a bench or whatever. But of course, there's still a long way to get there because we have to first first qualify to the next round. But, you know, every time that he uh, plays, uh, then uh, it always looks very good, but he just hasn't been playing very much at all. As with everything, time will tell. Hey, thank you for listening. Up next, we have the second leg of round of 16 knockouts. We hope for a memorable night of football and more than anything, a qualification to the next round. That match is on Wednesday evening. Women's team will be playing another match against Montpellier. Like said, the one we just had was Coupe de France. And up next is women's women's division on. Thank you for listening. We will talk after the Champions League, I'm sure. And let's hope we have some good news then. In the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at PSG Helsinki. And why not subscribe to this podcast, PSG Review, from your platform of choice, if you want. For now, until next time, peace. Peace.